Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody. Chris Landry here for another edition of Scout's Eye on College and Pro Football. We'll be getting into a few things today. Uh, maybe get out of here a little bit early. I've got pro day duties over at LSU. Uh, been dealing with a lot of that. We're going to get into pro days. Going to get into some of that um, tomorrow on the Landry Football Podcast and what is really the relevance of pro days and, and why it is not what uh, – I think people make it out to be or or um, perceive it to be. So we're going to get into that. We're going to talk a little bit about the the new schedule, the 17-game schedule, why and, you know, the pros and cons of it, basically why it is. Uh, we've got a couple of questions. We're going to take your questions here in the chat room. Um, so send us your comments, send us your questions, and we'll we'll get it to you here. We're going to talk a little bit about the draft preparation. Um Certainly, um, we've got a couple of questions here. Another one here. I can't can't put Ed Orgeron to bed. Another question from an LSU fan about some of the latest about Ed Orgeron. We're going to get into that. Um, uh, certainly, the pro days are uh, taking over kind of center stage right now in terms of our preparation uh, for the draft. Free agency has, as it always does, as we explain it, dies down after the first wave and then you start to kind of hunt for bargains and people are focused more on pro day stuff um uh, having a chance to um observe monitor go to a few pro days um that's where the focus is and then soon uh putting together the draft meetings the Draft process is a little bit different because you don't have, you didn't, we didn't have the typical combine process where we get the majority, the huge chunk of information that's so important, so needed for the evaluation process for the draft. And then you, you supplement that with pro day and you kind of polish it up a little bit, as I like to call it. Now it's, it's really trying to – it's more of a scramble trying to figure out everything um, before. You know, people will ask me a bunch about why do – what's the pro days? What does it matter? You've had all fall to watch them, all their college career. Um, you know why? So, look, I think it's important to kind of address it. And, again, I'll, I'll go into it a little bit tomorrow, but <clears> – <throat> or a lot more tomorrow, but – the, the important thing is to look at 
how the, the, the I'm a film guy and, and the majority of how you evaluate a player is it's how a guy plays. But you have to remember that anytime you're evaluating a player at the college level to a pro level, high school to college, whatever the case may be, you're projecting how they're going to do. So it's great that a player performs well. It's indicative of certain skill sets, certain athletic traits, that someone's going to be very successful. So that's really the fundamental and most important part. It's the it's the gut. It's the if as I like to say, evaluating a player is like a puzzle. Well, that's the majority of the puzzle. That's that's 80, 85, even 90% of it. But there are other factors. We know the importance of the intangibles, the importance of the football character, the personal character, the intuitive and mental capabilities, um, and certainly the physical traits that the measurables, as we call them, the tangibles, are really important. <clears throat> well, the guys, football fast and um, yeah, there is something to that. And there is a grade on, on the scouting report to grade a guy's playing speed. It's really important, but playing speed constitutes a lot of things. If you're a linebacker, it's a lot about being able to key and diagnose and not just the physical speed. That's where I think people miss it. All right. So the overall playing speed's good, but why? Okay. Well, it's not the great speed, but it's the ability to see, recognize, and be a little bit ahead of the game. The, you know, arm strength is so important as a quarterback, but the ability to be able to anticipate, the ability to be able to see things and get the ball out quicker requires less time for the ball to get there because the ball's coming out quicker. Whereas if you're a little bit later and with your read, but you have an ability to flick it with a little bit more velocity, you can be a little bit later in terms of your read and still accomplish similar things. So that's putting it all together. But scouting is about, quote, unquote, breaking it down into different parts because everything is about how it transfers to the next level. So I always say the results don't matter. It's what creates the result. Uh, and whether it's transferable or not, and how transferable, and how does it fit or not fit into not just a certain scheme, but a certain style of play from one level to the next. <clears throat> so with the workouts, the workouts help to segment the certain areas. It is not what people think or what it's portrayed to be, that it is the be-all, the end-all. It's going to make a player or not make a player. It does not do that. What it does, it helps to confirm or deny what you see on tape. It confirms it. It, it raises some flags if it doesn't. And so... You know, there are certain things that are hidden a little bit on tape that maybe because a player is utilized a certain way, maybe not ideally suited for what you're going to ask him to do. 
you've got to know that you've got to uncover that the scouting aspect is not black and white. It is all gray. It is no perfect player, no perfect situation. They're players that are more universally a fit, but most players fit into a certain system better understanding that's important. And the workouts are really telling. Um, I've, I've told different stories about, well, how do you determine a guy's arm strength? Well, there's different, there's difference between arm talent, arm strength, and the ability to throw the ball with velocity and the ability to throw the ball different parts of the field. Those are two different things because throwing velocity comes from different aspects. You've heard me say a bunch that throwing the football really comes from the legs, most throws. But when you are, as in today's game, you're increasingly off platform where you're not set in the pocket, where you cannot push off. This is not pitching. You know, a pitcher is going to be on the mound and he's going to deliver the ball from the same position, whatever style and mechanics of his um, – <clears throat> A pitching windup deemed to be quarterback has to play from different platforms. If you will, it's a lot like, you know, a shortstop. Well, is a shortstop going to cleanly field a grounder and be able to deliver it? Or does he have to throw it across his body? That determines, you know, your ability to be able to flick the ball with arm strength versus just being able to set and throw from a static motion. So they're different mechanics. And so understanding that is important. It does not mean that a guy that can't throw off platform and doesn't have great, great explosive arm talent can't play. On the contrary, we see many of them that can, but how they play is important and understanding how you're going to play and utilize that play is important. And the same thing is with a running back skill set and his speed and his quickness and his size and his strength, an offensive lineman, the ability to be in a man blocking scheme, a zone blocking scheme. What, what blocks is he going to struggle with executing? Which ones is he's going to excel in? All very important receivers, what type of skill set? So it's about, so when you're looking at, well, how did you miss this guy or that, you know, people will say, how'd that team miss that guy? Well, it, it's a lot of it is, it's sometimes misevaluation, but it's often misusage. Or when you evaluate a player, you see a good fit, and then you change coaches, and there's a new system. All of a sudden, what you just spent maybe two or three years building, you now have to tear down because now, you know what, we don't really want those type of receivers we're going to have a different blocking scheme. Well, you're constantly rebuilding. And of course, in the modern world, you're not winning enough games, fire the coach. Okay. You know, make a lot of money. You know, I'm not, not taking up for the coach, but the reason why you have success is it's not what philosophy you have. It's the consistency of the philosophy the ability to adjust the philosophy and the ability to kind of maintain and grow and build on it. I mean, if you think about building a house, I mean, it may take you a long time to build a house or a building of any sort, good foundation, 
Um, make sure that you don't take any, you know, um, shortcuts and you build with a solid foundation. Even it takes longer. And you be like, what happens today is you quick, quick, let's get it up. And then you miss steps and you don't have a great foundation. And then, and then of course you change and then you start it over because you don't like the layout. Well, then you tear it down to the studs and you're starting over again where you never actually move into the house, right? Well, that happens a lot in football. You never really develop, certainly in the NFL, a style that is consistent towards building something because if it's not successful quick enough, then it's a tear it apart, start over, and the starting over sets you back. Even if it's successful, it better be successful on the timeline that's amenable to the people that are going to make your decision and pressure. So the importance of evaluation is understanding a lot of those things. Well, the pro days help you to figure certain things out. It helps to complete the piece of the puzzle. Um, on film, a guy may look fast, may look quick. He may look strong. But that's relative to who he's doing it against. What are certain things that you look for that are going to translate and be successful at the NFL? Well, we know that because we know based upon numbers, this is what's successful. This is the type of speed you have to have in the 10, in the 20, in the short shuttle, in the three cone, in the 40 for certain positions. and. It doesn't mean that it eliminates a player or not, but it, it certainly exposes certain things. Well, wait a minute. He looks, he plays. Well, it may not be that he plays faster. He just may be faster relative to who he's doing it against. And the same qualities, you know, that come forth when you play at the next level, it's not exposed. So, for example, if you watch Justin Fields coming out of high school in Georgia, a little time at Georgia in practice, which I know most people haven't had exposure to, and certainly playing at Ohio State, you see a guy with some good size, a guy with some good speed. How fast? And he looks pretty fast, but he moves very smoothly, pretty gracefully, with good strength. Well, he ran just a tick faster than maybe some people might have thought. So what does that tell you? It tells you that, you know what, as fast as he is on tape, he has, he's even, it confirms it. And if anything shows that, you know, the guy's got even better speed than we may have thought. And so that affects how you're going to use him. So somebody that takes him will see the fact that this guy can do things from a design run, from an escape run, from things that you can do and build in. It, it, it may not that 40-yard time is not going to affect whether somebody drafts him or not. I mean, somebody will draft him, but it's not going to affect, oh, yeah, we were thinking this guy, now we're going to take Justin. Or, no, I didn't run. If, if he didn't run fast, well, we're not going to take him now. We're going to go with this guy. It's not how that works. That's how it's portrayed. Well, he's moving up now that he had this great workout. He's going to get drafted, you know, five spots higher than before. No. What it does is, okay, this gives a little bit more piece of the puzzle of what we like, what we see, what we've studied, 
this kind of paints a little bit more of a picture. The picture comes in a little clearer. Okay, this is how we could use guy. Um, certain things that we do in drills with a linebacker, with safeties, defensive backs, that he's maybe not asked to do in college. But the ability to drop his hip, flip his hips, and turn, okay, now we see some things that we don't see on tape because they're not asked them to do it. Maybe they play a little bit more zone where they're angled in. Now, you know what? When we do our zone drops, we can do this with them that we don't see on tape. The workouts help to show that. Um, again, throwing to different parts of the field. Uh, yeah, you might throw from a clean pocket in college if you're in a situation where you've got a clean pocket and maybe you don't face great pass rushers. But how are you going to do that if you're not working from a clean pocket? Can you escape and can you throw it accurately and with velocity with just arm talent where you can't set your feet? Well, drills can help you determine some of those things. So all those things are important to paint the picture. The other thing that I think people miss often is, um, and, and, you know, when pro days, you have the coaches that are going to coach these guys get to meet with these guys maybe the night before, get to know them a little bit more and we're not having to do that sans um, combine. And you get a good feel for them, the personality-wise, teachability. And then also it gives a little bit more time to maybe watch film with a player to see what he's thinking. And, and it gives you a little bit of a view into the window of what the guy's understanding of the game is. And those things are really important. So. Um, we're going to get into to that probably um, a little bit more. We'll address that on tomorrow's Landry Football Podcast. We have and appreciate Jeff and Rich and Spartan Martin. Going to appreciate your comments. We're going to get to them in a second. You got any questions? Join us in the chat room. The <clears throat> seventeen game schedule with the NFL. The announcement has been made official. Um. Okay, I've explained this all along. The decisions that are made on Park Avenue are all about money. And look, there is nothing wrong with making money. That's what it's all about. Um, but that's where the decision is. And it's, it's to the point where it's comical, where they talk about health of players and the importance of that, yet you're going to play another game. And um Certainly not the case. Well, we're not playing another game. We're just going to take away a preseason game. Well, that's not that's not accurate because preseason is designed differently. Now, I'm not a big fan in making fans pay for preseason full prices and all that. And I understand as a fan of having people hit me up on on Twitter saying, uh, we see that the Preseason is not that important this past year. It's real important. Practice, OTAs, we'll get to that in a second. Really important. It's not important to you as a fan because, again, you sit down and consume the meal. You're not having to cook it. Um, practice, OTAs, coaching schools with the players, and preseason games are all necessary parts to developing your team. Now, people say, well, it didn't affect you this past year. Well, it affected a great deal. To a trained eye, 
really a lot more sloppy this past year. Now, because it was evenly dispersed and everybody had to deal with that, no problem. You do what you want to do. Certainly having a game that is going to count in the standings one more is is great. I mean, it's great for fans, and I'm fine with it. It's it's not necessarily best for the teaching of the football part. And I'm about football, and I'm not anti-money. I'm just more about football. Uh, to me, and I've been on record saying this for a while, that having a 20-week season with two buys um, – where you can space it out a little bit more. And, and and I would think you could make money on having more weeks to the season, but having more, you know, you don't have anybody play on a Thursday night game that doesn't have a bye week before. You don't have anybody play on a short week, you know, for example. There are things you can do if you you expanded the amount of weeks that you can play and you don't expand the games, have 16, or, you know, even if you went to 17 or 18 games. Um, the, the importance of preseason again is about roster development. It's about looking at young players in situations that you can do certain things in scrimmages and practices, but in games, really important. You've got less time to do that and you've got less time to get your team ready for the season. So those two things are, are factors from a coaching and scouting and an evaluation standpoint. But look, everybody has to deal with it and it's great for the fans and it's more money. And if every, it's, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about, I I don't really care. I can adjust to it either way, but the thought that, well, it doesn't matter. The product doesn't look different. Well, it doesn't look different to you, but it, but it is different in, in a lot of cases. So, um, but if everyone is okay with it and dealing with certain sloppiness, look, you can absolutely adjust it. The OTAs um, coming in on April, starting April 19th, we hope that those things can become, get away from virtual and get to more uh, hands-on, which is really important and necessary as well. So those things are um, really going to be a different change. I thought the combination of the limitations of the OTAs, mini camps, off-season work really was tough combined with basically, you know, very little time and camps and, you know, no preseason and all that really, really hurt. And um, again, the overall, you could play the game, you can do it. It's just from, the difficulty of having to, to, to make the sauce correctly. It's, it's a, it's a lot more challenging and not uh, as, uh, as effective. Um, let's get to some of your questions here. Spartan Bartman as Spartan Martin asks, have you put a grade on Kadarius Tony from Florida yet? Uh, are you waiting for his pro day? I do have a grade on him. Um, and we're going to get that. We've got the horizontal draft board up. um, going to get into the second round grades today and work my way through first round grades are up go to the horizontal draft board you'll see it and it has all the first round grades and then we're going to work you through and explain it so check it there uh Kadarius is a good um uh, good player jeff 
says, uh, good morning, Chris. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. Let's see here. Uh, Rich Coach, prospects would normally visit teams, but due to COVID-19, prospects have to meet teams through Zoom. How many players did you draft that visit with you back in Tennessee? How many players did you draft at that visit with you? Oh, a lot. Well, first of all, you had 30 visits. And so between all-star games and the combine, what you tried to do with the 30 visits is you spend a little bit more time with certain people that you needed a little bit more information on. Everyone assumed that if you brought guys in for visits, that you were automatically interested in them. Well, interested, yes. But as I like to say, a big reason for the visit is for, you know, fact-finding evaluation and based upon that would determine exactly how they might end up on your board. Look, the player ends up on your board where you've graded, where I've graded them, where I put them on film. That's where they are. But the things that go on their card about their ability to learn their, you know, health and everything like that factors into it and certainly affects the stacking. Um, It doesn't make a player a less of a player, but it makes a player less appealing if you've got some hurdles and obstacles. Visiting with them in person is really important. Always use the 30 visits. I always tried to spend time, though. If you did the work well enough, and I thought we did a pretty good job of interviewing enough of those guys, so we'd save quite a bit of our 30 visits for guys that we thought that were not at the combine, that were not at an all-star game, but we liked. We needed to get them in for a visit because they may be late-round picks or undrafted free agents that we had draftable grades on. But we couldn't uh, interview them at the combine because they weren't there. We, though, tried to accomplish that on campus in the pro day. So it was a strategy. You had a limited number of visits, but I always tried to maximize as much of that as possible to determine. Um, because again, it's a all right, look, this is a this is a linebacker that I really like. It's an edge rusher that's got ability to rush the passer. But can he do certain things dropping in coverage? Does he have certain awareness? Well, you gotta really drill down into it a little bit more. He may have played with his hands down in college. I may need him to play and rush from a two point stance. We need to work him out in certain situations, and we need to uncover his ability to learn, his passion for the game, to be able to say, all right, for us, this is how we're going to use him. This is where you work with the coaching staff, as a coaching staff and as a scouting staff, is let's make sure he can do all the things we're going to need him to do. Because what he did at XYZ University is great. All these stats doesn't have anything to do with what we're going to need him to do here. So what did he do there? That's transferable. What did he do there? That is not. What did he do there that we're not quite sure? And we need to answer those things. So the individual interviews and workouts really can help to answer some of those questions and solidify his position on the draft board. Spartan also has what uh, Fields, Justin Fields' athletic ability, translate to other positions like Ted in here. Fields doesn't see the field well and throws his receivers into safeties. Have you seen the same thing? No, uh, he's not. He's a quarterback only. He's not 
going to play another position. Um, there's no reason to it. Um, that's a little bit archaic thought there. Guy can be a really good quarterback. Does he have a ways to go? Um, yeah, but it's the ability to learn. And first of all, none of these quarterbacks have a real good sense for where to go with the football. Uh, some are better than others, but they all have a lot to learn. Um, don't buy all the nonsense you hear from people that are just repeating stuff that they don't know anything about. He is very raw, but he has a lot of ability. Um, you know, a lot of those things were said about Patrick Mahomes and, um, it's pretty good, but where Justin Fields goes, who coaches him, what system, how much time they allow him to develop, are all going to have integral parts in his success. But he's got a lot of ability, and he's never played another position. And why would anybody think he'd be a tight end? I mean, um, the, the the guy's best position is quarterback. And in this day and age where you want guys with athleticism at quarterback, inability to develop in the pocket. There's nothing that says that he can't do that and be very successful at doing it. Jeff says, um, how do you think the transfer portal will affect the way college programs start scouting players? We, we start seeing college programs looking more like NFL teams. Yeah, Jeff, we already are. Um, what we're seeing is – College programs, you know, in the NFL, you've got a pro personnel department, which evaluates NFL players for free agent signings, uh, preparation for when you play that opponent. Um, you know, knowing the league in, in college, obviously your evaluation department's about high school guys, just like in the NFL, it's about evaluating college guys. But in college, what we're seeing is a <clears throat> a college personnel department where you're evaluating other college players that um, and researching who might be interested in the transfer portal. Uh, you want to make sure that you are aware of anybody that might become available and whether they could fit for you and whether you have any of the resources and connections to convince them to come to your place. Um, there's people are doing that. Now there's a philosophical approach that is going to dictate how much are you going to do that? There are certain programs that are going to rely on the transfer portal more than others. Um, <clears throat> let's take an elite pro. Let's take an Alabama or a Clemson. Are they going to go after the transfer portal a lot? Well, they get five stars out of high school. So they want to develop their own, but some of those five stars, four stars, whatever, don't develop, they're not happy, um, they don't play in maybe enough, and they leave. So you might have gaps in your recruiting to where you might need to fill a spot. But usually it's about finding a guy that's maybe a role player. I'm not saying that you can't have a transfer guy go and become a really good player. We saw Oklahoma with the quarterbacks for you know transfers. Sure. But a lot of big-time programs are going to want to develop their own and then kind of fill in the gap to, all right, you need that fourth receiver, and maybe it's a kid from a little bit of a late bloomer that can fit in. Now, where I think it's different is if you're a program that's not typically in the running for four- and five-star kids, 
this is the one avenue where you can get a four or five star kid, meaning a four or five star kids go to the big school. It doesn't work out for whatever reason. Now, all of a sudden, he comes to your school that normally doesn't get four star guys that now might be comfortable, particularly if you've developed a pattern with transfers and they've developed and they've gone on to have success. I, I think it is a huge part to the point where even the programs that are not the biggest money makers will invest time and scholarship resources to say, I'm going to hold back. I'm not using all my 25. I'm going to keep a handful for transfers. And we're going to see another wave of transfers after May. After this college semesters are over, we're going to see some of those guys go. So it's going to be important and imperative even to know about, A, you got to know about everybody to a degree, but you really need to hone in on schools that may have players that, not not disgruntled, but that may be thinking about transferring. So you've got to have good intel. And first of all, it starts at home. Where do we need help? Where do we have, okay, we've got a few scholarships available. Where do we need help? We need to find a linebacker. We need to find a safety. We need to find whatever in whatever area that you need you need to make sure that you go out and identify who might be available. And maybe it's a contact you've had in the recruiting process, what have you, and then go forward with trying to figure that out. Um, and then uh, approaching those guys. Um, those things are really important to know. And I think even Hawaii's named uh, somebody officially with a title. And I thought this was funny. I talked about it on a previous podcast. Director of College Transfer Recruiting literally naming somebody just for that title. Now, everybody has that guy or not only a guy, but a staff to do that. They just don't call it that, but it's interesting. Um, Spartan Martin says, how much do you think the 49ers watching Jones instead of Fields for Pro Day matters is because they know what type of player Fields is and they need a closer look at Jones? Do they favor you? It doesn't mean that they favor it. I mean, they may favor Jones. Um, First of all, I, I've been there and done that. These pro days sometimes correspond. You got two big pro days at the same day, and you can't be two places at once. They had people. They had people at uh, Fields' pro day. There were 49ers people there, people there they're evaluating. So they've got it all covered. It's just you tend to see the head coach and the GM there. They're they're not. They're involved. They're certainly going to be the decision makers, but because they're at one or the other doesn't necessarily mean that. Uh, but it certainly is indicative of an interest, but it's an interest in finding out more. And I think they're probably going with the quarterback and only they know who they're going to be. Uh, but I, 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 it's one of those cases where, where they go to, you're not going to be able to go, Oh yeah, they were at that pro day and not that one. That's why I think that's a little bit overblown there. Um, uh, but it's a good observation. But do you think Miami's recent trades were as great as their fans think where they miss out on the top prospect? No, they're, they're not. If you look at Spartan Martin, if you look at what Miami did, the Dolphins, they moved out. They understand that the top of the draft market is all about quarterbacks. So they move down and then move back up. 
And the reason why they moved back up, because some people criticize them moving back up to six, at six, they're going to get Benesul, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts. One of them is going to be there. They're going to get one of those elite players. So of the top players on their board, they're going to get them at six. The same guy that they would take at three, they're going to get at six, whomever that is, because of the fact that the quarterback positions are going to infiltrate the top. People are moving up for the quarterback. So whomever it is, their board says, look, we're going to get one of those because they know who's the quarterbacks are going to take up the number of the six. We call them bonus picks. Miami's not in the quarterback business. They believe in Tua, right or wrong, they are. So they've maneuvered themselves to get extra picks and then move it back, maneuver themselves back up to get one of the top two, three players on their draft board. So it makes a whole lot of sense. Can Pitts become a great blocker? Will his arm length only allow him to be good? Doesn't need to be a great blocker. Won't be a great blocker. Um, Travis Kelsey's not a great blocker. Kellen Winslow wasn't a great blocker. A lot of guys wasn't great. Ozzie Newsom wasn't wasn't a great block. He's not gonna be drafted because he's a great blocker. Guys who are good two way blockers, receiver guys, they get drafted later for a reason. Pitts is not a tight end. He's a detached Y. He's a he's a flex tight end. Okay, he's a big receiver. The crackback stuff and the stay, uh, stalk and stay stuff. Yeah, he'll be able to do that, but the what you're going to want him in line is you're going to get him moved and get a down block. He can do those things, but you don't draft him so that he can become a guy that's going to come off the ball and move a defensive end. He ain't doing that. That's not – he's never going to be that. Can he get better than what he is? Yes, technique-wise. Can he get a little bit stronger? Yes. He's not going to be a guy – when you line him up in line – it's going to be to dictate certain things coverage-wise so that you can free up other guys or free up him, but you're going to see him often released from that inline position as well as be detached. So you don't take a tight end that's a great blocker in the top 10 in the draft. You take a quote-unquote tight end that's a receiving weapon that can score touchdowns and make big plays for you, and that's what he is. Um, was there enough of a sample size for two's evaluation this past season? What is your current pro evaluation? No, there's not enough of a sample size. The sample size that we had showed, you know, pieces of success, pieces of ability that you see he has accuracy. Size is an issue, uh, making, you know, getting him a little bit deeper set in the pocket to where he can, have better vision. It's important. And I certainly worried about him a little bit. Um, You know, it is one of those things that you look at um, and say, well, wait a minute. Um, If you're looking at a guy and you're seeing certain things that he can do, what can he do to be more comfortable? And, what can he do in pressure situations and knowing what to do and how to do it? Those are things that I think that are really important to understand. So uh, I think he's, he's uh, they're, they're kind of bought into him. And I think that uh, is something that they're looking to go forward. FK Trump says questions about cornerback grades. How can you two backups be in your top four? Um, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Um, 
in the top four. If you're talking uh, in the NFL, you're, you, you'd have to be a little bit more specific about what you're talking about. First of all, knowing what or backup corners. Um, and a lot of times what you're confused of is guys that are slot corners, they're not backups, they're starters. So remember that. I think that's really key. So uh, listen, I tell you, folks, uh, I appreciate your questions today. We're going to run a little bit earlier. Uh, I've got to get to um, a pro day at LSU. Bring your questions, and we will absolutely uh, get to them on tomorrow's Landry Football Podcast. So for today, I appreciate you joining us. Talk to you again tomorrow, everyone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.